We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is good, everybody? This is your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at CKIDD206, and that's CKID206. We have a brand new episode for you guys, all powered by The Athletic. You guys all know where you can follow Mike on Twitter, but he's actually down in L.A., man. So, Mike, what is really good? Uh, well, Seahawks keep losing, so uh, that's not good for business. But uh, other than that, we're doing all right. Speaking of losing, yes, the Seahawks have lost Two straight games, and I would say it's not looking good. And they have one more huge challenge coming this Thursday against the Cardinals. But going back to the game on Sunday against the Rams, Russ did not play the way I thought he would respond after having a bad game last week against the Bills. Yeah, well, that's the there's there's so many layers to usually like a game that you know a team loses, you can point fingers at you know every little thing that didn't go right, whether it's the refs or the coaches or the defense, the offense, the quarterback. Today is actually pretty freaking simple. It's a, probably about the simplest uh, explanation for a loss that we've had all year. Russ didn't play good enough. Like it really, really is that simple. The guy, the most important, the most highest paid maybe arguably the most talented guy on the field was not good enough. He turned it over three times. And I think we talked about this, Chris, with his other turnovers. Like, all turnovers are not created equal, right? Like, there's some turnovers that are just like, ah, it's whatever, like an arm punt or, yeah, I don't know. There's just certain situations where a turnover isn't the worst thing in the world. It's bad, but it's not like a backbreaker. Russ keeps having these backbreakers man i mean today when he had three today he fumbled what at midfield in what a two-score game through a pick uh in a two-score game when they're trying to come back in the fourth quarter just inexplicably threw the ball across the field in the first quarter uh, and then that we talked about the ones in buffalo and arizona that were like in the end zone a couple times uh nearly got one pick sixth uh, twice actually had two that were returned like inside the ten yard line on his interceptions. Like Russ is legitimately 
having Jameis Winston type performances with these turnovers, and that may sound like hyperbole, but I mean, in Seattle's three losses, Russ has ten turnovers. Has seven turnovers in the last two games. Now, obviously, he's better than Carson or than James Winston. He's better than like a Daniel Jones or a Carson Wentz, some other like turnover prone QBs. But if we just isolate these two, you know, last two games, he's been no better than a Kirk Cousins. He's been no better than I don't know, Chris. Who else is like a, a volatile guy in that way? Like, he's been no better than a Nick Foles. Been no better than a Jameis. Uh, like he's going out there and just throwing the MVP to the other team, and there's a lot of things that Seattle can overcome as a team. I, I believe it. They can overcome a bad defense. I legitimately believe that. They can overcome a coach with an antiquated offensive philosophy. I've seen it. They can overcome receivers who can't get open consistently. They can overcome running backs who can't hold on to the rock. They can overcome an O line that can't pass block. What they cannot overcome is Russell Wilson coming up short. That's the one thing that is it's impossible, uh, really, to overcome, at least this version of the Seahawks. And we've talked about Russell coming up short, and we've also mentioned, is this a possibility that Russ can continue the play that we saw week one, week two, week three, where he was lighting up the defense? And it was met with probably not, but as long as he doesn't turn the ball over, the, the Seahawks are going to put up points. And ultimately, we witnessed on Sunday a game in which they, the Seahawks scored only 16 points, but Russ also had three big turnovers. And you mentioned what those turnovers had led to, and it didn't, it didn't help. The Seahawks were hurt by what Russ was doing today, and ultimately it cost him the game, his, his inability to create plays downfield, which we're so accustomed to. His first interception, it should have been just a simple run by Russ getting down, sliding, and getting a first down. Unfortunately, he felt that he can complete a pass to Disley on a beautiful design play, but unfortunately, the defender was able to jump jump the route and make a huge play and interception in the end zone for a touchback. These are things that Russ is going to have to improve on. Again, for Thursday, another shutdown corner in Peterson. And I, I'm, I'm hoping Russ, they don't, the Seahawks don't lose three straight because losing this game on coming up on Thursday night football would be detrimental to the season I think I mean it would just be like wow they've lost three straight how can they bounce back from that right I mean you look at the schedule it does get a lot easier but if the pass defense is going to come if we're going to see the pass defense what we saw with Josh Allen that's not a good sign but the good news also the good news I would say would be the fact that the defense today on Sunday showed up for the most part and was able to have Jared Goff they they turned it over for for at least once right Jared Goff he had a fumble Jamal Adams got into the backfield and created a play but that has to be something that's done consistently can the Seahawks defense consistently move forward and do we expect Russ to play the way Russ is capable of playing where he throws two or three touchdowns with no turnovers because that's what I'm accustomed to seeing how about you Mike well, I don't even want to – the defense did his job. Like, for all, for what I'm – you know, like, they look, they gave up 17 points in the first half and six in the second half. That, that'll get it done, you know, mo- more often than not. Like, you don't even need really a great offense to score 24 or even, you know, force overtime, whatever, score 23. No, actually, you want to win, so 24. You don't even need a great offense to score 24 points, right? You really don't. You just need, like, a decent one. And with Russ, they have a really, really good one. Like, so it's not even about the defense for me. I don't even, like – I was worried at first in the first half, and then I was like, ah, they figured it out in the second half. So who knows what they'll be. And they're also playing with, like, like DJ Reed 
playing five nine playing left cornerback. PA had a five nine corner out there playing, uh, you know, out there on the on the, on the on the boundary side for so long. I don't think he's ever had that. Um, so there were just. I didn't expect their defense to play that well, and they outperformed my expectations. If we're being honest, yeah, it's on, it's on Russ. It's on it's on, it's on Russ, man. I, it comes back to it. So I know people are gonna been have been asking me, and they're probably gonna keep asking: Is Russ hurt? Is something up? Uh, is he trying too hard? Um, because you know the defense it hasn't been playing well, and he thinks he needs to do everything. I, I don't think no, he's not hurt. So I I, I made some calls. He ain't hurt. He's fine. At least if he is hurt, he ain't telling nobody, right? So he, he, he's fine. He's healthy. I don't think him worried about the defense is meaning he has to do too much. If anything, I would say this. The thing that maybe could have some legs, and even though this is probably like 3% of the issue with Russ, maybe like 5% max. I don't think it's that big of a deal. But I do think it's probably a slightly a factor is him – you know, coming out of his show, I'm like, yo, I want to win MVP. I want to be all that. I want to, you know, I'm the best. I want to be the best. Like, that's my goal. I don't wake up, you know, I don't wake up uh, looking for second place, right? He basically turned into Ricky Bobby's dad. Like, yo, if you ain't first, you're last. Maybe that is getting in his head a little bit. But, like, if, if the reason I don't want to buy too much into that, it's like, okay, then they're screwed if that's the case. Like, if you wanting to be good at your job is making you bad at your job, <laughs> You know what I mean? Like that's that's not like a good rationale. You know, no one should feel good about uh, Russ playing poorly because he wants to play well. That that's terrible. You know what I mean, Chris? Yeah, that makes sense. And I would hope he's not getting in his own head. But I would also point out to the fact that he's not perfect. Patrick Mahomes is probably the closest thing we've seen to just week in and week out. He's dominating, and I don't know how he did it. Ultimately, they lost the Super Bowl that season, but he comes back and win, wins it the next year. Russ is not perfect. He's going to make mistakes, and we've seen it back-to-back weeks where he's made the same mistakes, and I mean by turning over the football. I believe that Russ will bounce back, but it's also up to the defense now. We saw the defense play well well on Sunday. They have to now continue that success, and if you've seen the highlights of the game with the Cardinals, you realize DeAndre Hopkins is a bad, bad man, and you're going to have probably you're going to miss Shaquille Griffin most likely again this week. Quentin Dunbar, he's probably going to be out for some time. The The margin of error is very slim. And with the injuries and with everything going on, it's just making it that much more of a challenge. But if any team can bounce back and do it, it would be the Seahawks team. And you got to believe in Russell Wilson, right? He is your starting quarterback. They paid him the big dollars. He's been showing it for the most part. He's having a bad moment at this point in time of the season but you can't lose faith in that guy and I hope people aren't losing faith in Russell Wilson because I've, I've, I've I'm sure you got a lot of tweets I got a few tweets today like what the hell is going on with Russ and to be honest I really don't have an answer for you but maybe we should just give credit to these other teams and defenses that are making plays we talked about it off wax about the corner that jumped that interception that was just a great play it was a tight end out and he read it perfectly. Russ zipped it in there, but the defender made a great play. That might be the interception where you say you tilt your you tilt your hat to the defense and say he made a phenomenal play. Of course, we have to go back and watch all the other interceptions to see what went wrong. But sometimes you got to give a little nod to the defense, and maybe that's what we're seeing right now. Defenses have game plan for Russ, 
If they can blanket the wide receivers and get pressure, they know Russ is going to dance around and try to create something, and ultimately that creates maybe too much of a problem, and that results in a turnover, a sack, just a negative play. Well, see, here's the here's, here's the problem, though, with that is if, if the defense is game planning for you means you start turning the ball over, you're not a good player. Then it's just the bottom line, right? Like that. That's just a fact, right? Like, I mean, Carson Wentz probably feel the same way. It's like, yeah, hey, well, the defense is keep game planning for me, so I turn it over. Right? Well, that means you stink, right? Like, does Russ stink? No. But that's why I'm not really willing to make – like, I, there's so many things that could be wrong yeah. uh, right now, but I don't want to add the extras to it. I, I just can't because otherwise with the, when you simplify them, like, it, it makes it look even worse. It's like, oh, yeah, no, the, the defense is blitzing a lot, so Russ turning it over. It's like, well, dude, if you start turning it over when teams pressure you, you're not good. Like, you're legitimately not. Like, you need, if you want to be great, and that's the other thing, I hold Russ in high regard because he holds himself that way. Yeah. I feel like I'm placing these expectations on, um, you know, Nick Mullins, right? Like, I'm placing them on a guy who wants to be the best ever. So, okay, cool. Dude, like, uh, we didn't talk much about DK yet. Russ and DK, according to Russell, talk every day about, you know, wanting to be great, right? They want to be great. They want to be the best wide receiver, quarterback pairing in the league or ever. Not in the league, all time, which is you know a very high bar, and I'm cool with aspiring for greatness. I will never tell two black men not to aspire to be the best ever, right? Do that. But the problem with that is you got to live up to that, brother. And that's not maybe every week y'all got to connect for 200 yards, but they're legitimately letting dudes scheme them out of the game. Like where where was DK today? Like I, I googled I Google searched uh, or Twitter searched DK's name uh, just like after the game when I was walking in my car. And the first thing that came up was like one of those missing, you know, milk carton, like, have you seen me type things uh, huh. on, the, on the back for, for DK because he was just gone. Like the first half and most of, most of the game, he said against Patrick Peterson and Jalen Ramsey this year, I think DK has four catches for, oh, damn, here I go do a math on the show. Damn it. What's 28 plus 21? Whatever that is, that's what DK has on four catches, I believe, against Patrick Peterson and Jalen Ramsey. That's not good enough. You don't have to go off against those dudes. And if we're going to hype you up, if I'm going to hype you up again, you know, you, you beat up on Emmanuel Mosley, um, and you, we're going to hype you up after you, you, you dog Stephon Gilmore, we're going to have to come for you if you do not deliver against the other elite dudes. Because that's really what makes you great, right? Yeah. I think someone asked me what, he, what's he, what, he, what he's like, ranked or something like that. Is DK top five or whatever? DK, I said DK has gotten to the point where if you guard him with one dude, you're probably screwed. I might have to walk that back. You're right. Like if they, if they can just guard you with Patrick Peterson and they can just guard you with Jalen Ramsey, you got that dude, right? Because that, that's the difference between like a D hop or an Antonio Brown and you know or a, a, a whoever you know Odell, some of these other dudes who have had like been, arguably been the best dude in the league, even a Michael Thomas. If you put one dude on him, you're screwed. I thought DK was there, but the evidence is mounting in the other direction. And if Patrick shuts him down again on Thursday, then we're looking at a lot of examples to point to, like, okay, these dudes have figured you out. Like, you can be guarded and taken out uh, of a game. So, like, yeah, there could be some coaching things. They're playing shorthanded. They play backup center today. Defenses, yeah, we'll, we'll make some good plays. But if you want to be great, you need to be better than those defenders. Like, look at the dude picking him off outside of Patrick Peterson. It's not like he's a bunch of Hall of Famers are getting the best of us. I don't know who the hell he threw to pick to that first one against Buffalo. I legitimately have no, I don't even remember. 
who he who he threw it to, right? So um Russell just gotta be better than this. He can't be he can't be a Jameis type. He can't be a Jimmy Garoppolo type. He can't be have a Kirk Cousins brain fart game, you know, like you he can't go out there and have seven turnovers in two weeks. That's Daniel Jones type of behavior, man. I think Daniel Jones won today. <laughs> they did. They like, he, the... he just can't do that, you know. Like it, it, it comes down to that and nothing else uh, but that. At least, at least today. And it like in, in the three games they lost, ten turnovers. They ain't never gonna win if Russ is averaging three turnovers in their in their loss. Yeah, right. And like, well, that sense doesn't make a lot of sense, but you get what I'm saying. No, I understand what you're saying. The three losses I would say are to good teams, and defensively, or I should say, offensively, the Seahawks face probably the best defense they're going to face all season. To be honest, they're going to see the Rams again in December. You got Arizona on Thursday. Their defense is pretty solid, but the Rams are the best defense they are going to face, and this is a good matchup for them to see what works and what doesn't work. You mentioned DK being shut out. Even if for Russell Wilson to have conversations with DK about being the best duo, you got to give your receiver a chance. He had four targets on Sunday, only four. And I'm sure I'm going to go back and watch what was going on and see that Russ didn't even look his direction. And that can't be the case. I know there's an all pro corner over there, but you got to at least test it, right? Um, I mean, wisely. Yeah, there was like one or two times where I thought DK was there. And, you know, because like I said, I'm at the game, so I can see. There's a couple of times he's definitely there and Russ didn't see it. And Russ admitted, like, hey, we had some plays for him, but they dropped a coverage underneath it. Or, you know, I got pressure or something happened. And, yeah, like, I'm not willing to just be like, oh, yeah, no, the defense, you're playing good defenses, so you're not playing well. That's the thing. Russ, the Seahawks are not asking Russ to be perfect. Correct. They're not, they're not asking, they're asking him to not be the reason they lose the game, right, which is a big difference right if Russ just goes out there and doesn't have turnovers in the end zone like it like let's say let's go with this um he turned it over in the end zone against the the Cardinals I don't even really remember what um it was Buddha oh okay I see I'm saying I don't remember what the score was at the time but like let's just say they get a field goal okay cool um let's see they turned it over against the the Bills uh, let's say they just get a field goal, right? Which they could have done because it was four for one from the five. I don't know why everyone's pretending like he had to throw it in the end zone. He did not. You get one yard, you get a first down. It's pretty simple. That math I'm comfortable doing on the show. <laughs> uh, let's see the other one. Today, it was like second down. Like, even if you guys just get a field goal right there, um, it's, it, it's, a lot, it's a lot better than what he ended up uh, doing. So it's like uh, Russ doesn't need to be perfect. They're not asking him to be. They're asking him not to just be, you know, to have disastrous turnovers, right? One of those turnovers um, that he had against the Bills, Trey White took it back to like the two. What's the defense supposed to do with that? Of course, he gave him a touchdown. Throw the two. You know, a great defense wouldn't be able to uh, to overcome that because teams teams in the uh, NFL are too good, and they get in the goal line, they score. So I, I think the I don't know if this is a full on narrative right now. That's probably my last thing on it. If there's any narrative that like. Russell is being asked to be perfect or score every time. That's why, you know, he's pressing and trying too hard. They're not asking him to be perfect. Perfect is like what he was against, what, like Dallas, right? Or like even uh, for the most part against New England. I know he threw a pick six, but that was that was Greg Olson's fault. You know, perfect is like kind of what he was against the Falcons. Yeah. Like, they're, not, they're not asking him to do that every week. Like he didn't, he didn't need to do, he didn't need to do that every week. What he needs to do is if you're, if you're going to go out there and be the guy who wants to be MVP, 
don't have these back-breaking turnovers while, we're, while the team's trying to mount comebacks, don't fumble it, don't take bad delay of game penalties. You just watch the clock tick away. I was in the stadium. The lights are bright as hell. You can see the clock ticking down in big yellow lights. Hey, man, it's at one. Call a timeout, right? So I didn't even see him try to call a timeout on that delay of game and then threw a pick right after that. So there's, Russ is, it's not about Russ be, be Superman. At, that, at this point, that's just unrealistic and unfair, even if I used to think he was ready to handle that. It's basically about, hey, Russ, just do your job, and then we'll be fine. And right now, he's, he's not doing that. Yeah, just do your job, do your part, do what you had been doing prior to, I would say, the Buffalo game when everything just kind of went sideways offensively. It got out of character with the turnovers. Perhaps one turnover, I understand, but the way he's been turning over, it's just been bad. And he has to find himself and do it quickly because ultimately the test is coming, the test is here. How are you going to bounce back now? That's the bigger question. And to DK, you just got him and DK got to find something out. I mean, you saw Ty Lockett. He was pretty productive today, although it didn't amount to much of anything. There's a throw to actually DK. It was Russ just put a little too much on there. Maybe he was worried about Aaron Donald. Maybe he was thinking about it too much because nine times out of ten, Russ drops that in there perfectly. And we have either a huge play where it's first and goal or DK is able to score a touchdown. Yeah, I think uh, Jamal Adams alluded to it. Maybe the, the good thing about football is you got another opportunity the next week yep. like, unless you're losing the playoffs. Yeah, it comes up quick. It's coming <laughs> up real quick. Thursday night, they're going to be they're gonna be ready. Well, I can't guarantee they're going to be ready. I have to make some calls. I haven't really hit nobody up lately. But, uh, yeah, now, they got a chance in a few days to to get right. The problem is Arizona ain't no scrub, right? And they're the only team to consistently scheme DKL. And you know Tyler ain't gonna have two hundred yards again. You just know he's not. They're just gonna try to they're gonna try to fix that too. But they gotta do something, man. Like they can't just continue Russ can't continue to be bad. He can't they, they, if these guys want to be great, they can't allow another team to just shut them out of a game. Russ ain't thrown a, a, a touchdown pass against a Sean McVay team since since Tedrick Thompson was starting. Like, whoo, come on, man. That's a long time ago. Like, since they've traded for Jalen Ramsey, Russ ain't thrown a touchdown. Mm. Inex- inexcusable. Inexcusable. That that, that kind of lets me know that Russ was basically just torching, like, uh, um, Marcus Peters. <laughs> that was the issue. The issue in L.A. was Marcus Peters. I know he's done touchdowns on other people besides Marcus, but as soon as they dump Marcus and put Akeem Talib on IR and fire Wade Phillips, they've, uh, boom, they they figured Russ out. Like, that can't be the case. If you're going to be great, there can't be anyone who can figure you out. So we'll see what happens because if Arizona figures him out, then, Chris, we're going to be slamming that panic button. Now, <laughs> not just the defense, on the, you know, the guy who wants to be MVP. Yes. Basically, it comes down, Russ got to be better. DK Metcalf and Russ, no matter what's going on, you got to give the guy a chance. And now we got to get to Twitter questions, Mike. Are you ready? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, yeah, let's roll, let's roll. This should be fun. All right. To get things started, this is from Ben. Can the Seahawks realistically win the next five games and be 11 and 3? Well, we're jumping right into the rest of the season, huh? Um, okay. Realistically, can the Seahawks win the next five games? Yes. I'm going to, because I mean, I'm going to break down what's being asked here for people who don't have the schedule in front of them. You're basically asking me, Mike, you're asking Mike and Chris, hey, can the Seahawks beat Arizona at home? Can they um, go to Philly? Can, can they go to Philly and beat the mighty Carson Wentz's, uh, which of course they can? Can they beat Daniel Jones? Can they beat whatever the hell the Jets are doing at that time? And can they beat the Washington No Names? Realistically, sure. Like the odds of that, I'm not sure what the, what those would be. But is it possible? Yes. Do I think it'll happen? No. They'll probably lose one of those. But yeah, they, they could. Um, if those are the next five. Those are the next five, right, Chris? We have that right? Yeah, so and then, Arizona. And then after that, they play the Rams and then 49ers yep. to end yep. the season? Yep, you got it. Okay, so, yeah. Could could they do that? Sure, man, of course. That, that, that's possible. Do I think they will? Probably not. Uh, but they should definitely... The, the Thursday night game will be a toss-up. It depends on who's healthy. Like, they need Chris Carson or Carlos or Shaq, Quentin... Ethan, somebody, Benson, <laughs> like they, they need somebody back from those starters. Uh, but I think those other four, those should all be guineas. They should blow out those other teams. This one's from Red, Red Rider. Do the Seahawks make the playoffs? <laughs> wow, we got doom and gloom. Uh, yeah, man, seven teams get in. I mean, what's the, what do you think, Chris? What would be the worst record to get in? Five and seven? I think nine and seven to get you. I, get you I mean, let me look at the playoff picture right now while you got while I got this in um in in front of me. Who's the who's the eight seed right now? Uh, but yes, the Seahawks are gonna uh they're gonna make the playoffs. The seven teams get in. Like, it'd be real hard to make the playoffs. I think they should. At worst case scenario, is like ten and six. Worst case scenario is you lose. Oh damn, nah. I think they're, I think they're gonna go like ten and six or something. Uh, 10 and 6 11 and 5 I guess worst case is like 9 and 7 which means no I think I think I think they can go 10 and 6 I think they'll beat all those bad teams right Jets, Giants Philly and Washington there's 10 right there they already got 6 uh, so then yeah they would just lose problem with that is they would lose their division yeah they've I, already... think I think they'll beat the Niners though too again that, in that second 
So yeah, no, I, I, I have faith in them making the playoffs. This comes from your cousin. How much trouble can owners get in for withholding or canceling game checks? <laughs> oh my goodness, yo. My guy, my guy is wild. <laughs> Jody Allen just gave Pete Carroll a five-year extension. And I think Pete Carroll, I know coach contracts aren't public. I think Pete makes like eight figures, man. Pete's on one of them like Nick Saban deals. That man ain't about, she ain't about to hold them checks from dude. She just gave dude a five-year uh, extension. Oh, the, uh, the seven seed right now, I don't know why I said eight seed. That's my bad. The seven seed right now actually is Seattle. <laughs> Seattle's the seventh seed. Uh, Chicago is the eight at five and four. So yeah, Seattle will still be in the playoffs uh, right now. So they'll, they'll, they'll make the playoffs for sure. But nah, man, nah, because Demetrius uh, Jody ain't about to just stop paying Pete <laughs> after a couple losses. She just gave him the bag. This one's from Mike. Seattle has some great tight end options this season, and the short game is not reliable. Why? Uh, no, I disagree with the idea. The short game is not reliable. Um, I think. It's there. It's just harder to, for it to be there when the defense knows it's coming. Um, it's it's definitely been, like DK has some short stuff. Um, Tyler catches a lot of short stuff and just falls right down. Uh, Greg Olson's usually been good at moving the sticks, um, which I even think he had a couple first down catches today or at least one. So no, it's it's there. I think what's changing in that regard, and it's not to make excuse for them. I think teams are actually doing a really good job in those short yardage situations with their blitzes there. So with a blitz, the good thing about blitzing is if you take away the first read, the guy usually doesn't have a chance to go to the next one. So I think that's happening a little bit. But no, their short, their short stuff is there. It's, it's when you take away their explosive plays, we see that really struggles. Like what was the longest play today? The, the ball over the middle to to Disley. Um, it just didn't. They didn't hit many. Uh, maybe there was that flea flicker to Tyler. That was probably actually the longest one. Uh, but they just didn't have. They didn't have the explosive stuff. That's the more unreliable part, to be honest. It ain't the short stuff. How is the offense going to counterpunch the counterpunches defenses have given them after a few games worth of tape on Skybox Shoddy? Now, I don't think they figured out Shoddy, man. We just spent like whatever, however long just talking about, um, you know, Russ. I think that's what they've kind of, that, that's what they're getting to. Like, Shoddy ain't really called nothing that's put Russ in a bad position. I don't think he's calling any like I don't think I don't think he's called a bad game. Have we talked about Shadi calling a bad game? I can't remember ever, ever leaving a game and being like, "Yo, you know, Shadi really wasn't he wasn't on his his stuff that game." I think he's been he's been solid, and even this, like some of the the stuff that teams are doing to scheme up like DK and whatever. I think I still think a lot of that falls on the players too. Like make a play if you're Russ, give your guy a chance. Right? If you can just randomly force the ball to Will Disley across the field, you can definitely force it to DK. <laughs> like that, I'll definitely, uh, I can definitely live with that. I think everyone else can too. Like if, if Russ is just like, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna just throw it to DK fifteen dollars for that, no matter what. Hey man, everybody probably cool with that, <laughs> you know? Unless you got like Tyler Lockett in fantasy. Nick, why is Pete such a coward? It defies logic and statistics when they punt it. Ah, man, yeah. I mean, what what, what game did we uh, what, what game do we say that after Christmas? I was like, if the Seahawks cross midfield and punt, it's stupid. I can't remember what game. Maybe it was Minnesota. I honestly can't remember, but I still believe that. That's kind of that's kind of my stance right now. Like, if if the Seahawks cross midfield, just just go for it. Like today, today was a really good example, and I don't want to get into the to the weeds of it. 
but Pete sounded like he wanted the analytics nerves to get off his lawn today. Like he sounded like the oldest coach uh, in the league. He his thought process on this stuff is just so bad to me. It's not even the result. Don't play the result. You have to you have to have a good process. Today he said, if you're arguing that because we have a high scoring offense that we should we should have went for it in that situation, that doesn't make sense to me. Well, Pete, that's stupid. That makes sense to literally everyone else. <laughs> Your offense is good. Leave them on the field. That's a very simple premise. Our offense scores, so if we leave them off on the field, they're likely to score. Or at the very least, they're likely to do good things because a high-scoring offense does good things with the ball, even if it's not always just scoring. You know, good yards per play, stuff like that. So that's part one of why his processing is very poor. Uh, the other part of it, his his trust in the defense is just so it's so inconsistent like today did you watch his zoom today chris yeah i was on there yeah so like he was actually like okay dude man why would you trust this defense they haven't earned it they haven't been given the benefit of the doubt something i've written about and we've talked about on the show and Pete's like well i mean i trusted them because we don't just think the other team's just gonna score when we punt and it's like okay cool pete if that's your thought right you're trusting them because you think the other team is not going to score right here if you punt it. Fine. Then why not go for it? Because even if you do not get it, you're trusting your defense to get a stop. What did Pete say? He's like, well, imagine if they scored after we, we failed on fourth down. Like, dude, what do you need to imagine if they score? You just told us imagine that they won't. Right? That's the thing. He, the trust in the defense, it, it, it's inconsistent and at least the inconsistent processes. The only argument he possibly has in this specific scenario today, I'm sure everyone watched the game and knows the situation we're talking about. The only other argument he has, well, the field position is different. The difference between giving them the ball at the 42, wherever they were at, versus wherever Michael Dixon pinned the punt. I'm sure it was within their own 10 or something like that. The problem is, Chris, how many plays did it take the Rams to get right back to where they would have been if they didn't get the fourth? Like four? Three maybe they marched right right up and down the field, so it it didn't make it didn't make a difference, right? With this particular defense, you can't flip the field. There's no such thing as flipping the field against this defense. They're probably going to give up yards, and they're probably going to give up points. Like you just have to assume that and keep your offense on the field about as often as humanly possible. We talk about players, coaches, and coordinators. But does any responsibility fall on John Schneider for who we have for play personnel? More specifically, offensive line and defensive line. Um, yeah, I mean, Schneider and Pete definitely, they control the personnel. So they're, they're, they're at fault for sure. I think they've had some really big whiffs early in the draft. And we've talked about that. We talk about that every year. Um, Jordan Brinks is at least starting. So that's good. But how often do you notice LJ Collier? Right, like I'm Marquise Blair, that's not his and their fault. If that's a second round pick, we have a really good plan. Um, I can't remember what round Cody Barton is. He might be second round, but they immediately took another dude at his position the next year, so that's that's not great. They refused to draft corners higher than ninety. Uh, so that's that's not great. Shaq's their highest corner pick ever, depending on how you want to classify Marquise Blair, who I consider they drafted him as a safety. Um so I I, I think uh, yeah, they definitely it's definitely their fault there. Uh, the Daryl Taylor thing, I don't know how much is like of that is the issue in terms of selecting him versus how much they should have known his, his leg was bad. I don't know. I'd, I'd have to dig a little bit more into that. 
but generally speaking, yeah, they just they haven't reloaded on defense um, through the draft. They've done it through trades, um, but their drafting has not been good. Shaq's the only Pro Bowler they've drafted since Bobby. I want to say I think he's the in, bet- in between drafting Bobby and drafting Shaq. I don't think there's another drafting of a defensive Pro Bowler. That's pretty bad. Yeah, that, that should tell you all you need to know right there. Everyone's got negatives, but do you guys see any positives in the development of a guy you just mentioned and Jordan Brooks, Damian Lewis, LJ Collier? And how are guys like Reed, DJ Reed that is, and Ryan Neal looking now that Neal has passed his fast start? Ooh, okay. There's two parts to that question. I'll make sure I answer them both. So the first part, Jordan Brooks... LJ Collier and with Damian Lewis was the three guys actually also three young guys two rookies um Lewis feel good about probably needs to be a little better in pass protection um good run blocker solid starter features bright uh Jordan Brooks getting there uh I see some flashes here and there like I don't think he's gonna be a bad player I think he'll be solid like I can say he's starting now and I don't I don't see it as it like oh man they got Jordan Brooks out there they're screwed um, LJ, I do feel concerned about that one because Pete Carroll likes to make this point with some guys like whether it's Jamal or Ugo or just a lot of guys on defense. He says something like, you know, you, you can really feel him. Like he was out there. You could tell he was out there. He was he, he showed up. He says that a lot. I don't ever really remember leaving a game thinking, wow, man, LJ played good today. Right? It's not just because he didn't have sacks or whatever. Like I, I leave some game thinking, oh, man, Puno was good today without getting a sack. Puna had a sack today. That's not the point. There's games where I've left and like, wow, man, Puna was all over the place. Right? I, I feel that. Ugo, I even said that about. Jamal, I've said that about. Quentin Dunbar, said, Trey Flowers, I've said that about. Um, I don't remember saying that about Elgin. And I think that's a problem with Trey Flowers. I should feel that way at some point. Now, it's, it's only the end. We're midway through his second year. So there's time. But I don't think it should have taken this long for, for a guy drafted that high. When you're drafted that high, the expectations are different. Versus like Allen Robinson can just flash and it's like, okay, cool. Fifth round pick. You're playing with house money. John Arsu or like a late round David Moore, Trey. The late round guys can flash. Early round guys, I need you. Sh- I need to consistently see you showing up. And we haven't had that from LJ. The back half of that question, if I'm right, Chris, is how are Ryan Neal and DJ Reed doing? Is that right? You got it. Okay. So Ryan Neal and DJ Reed are both kind of in the same boat. Small sample size, but I think everyone will kind of agree with where I'm going with this. They're basically the type of players where if they have to start, your team's not screwed. Like, your team is not, like, at the same level. Um, and it definitely didn't get better by inserting them in as replacements. But you're definitely not screwed. Like, you, you should still expect to perform well. Your unit should be fine. Right? You should expect that. Like, maybe they'll make a play here or there. They'll make a mistake here or there. But they're, like, replacement-level dudes at their respective spots. Right? And that's probably the best you can hope for. Like, what are we talking about here? An undrafted dude in, like, a day three pick. Um, I think DJ Reed was, fourth or fifth round. So, yeah, that, that's probably about what you could expect. I don't expect much more out of them. I think if you were, like, relying on them, like, you entered your season, like, yep, we're good. We got Ryan at this spot, DJ at this spot. I do think your defense is probably what ultimately so. But if you're just asking these guys to fill in for so-and-so for a game or two here and there, like, I don't think that's – I don't think I don't think they're incapable of that. So yeah, you're not screwed if you put them out there, uh, but they're not maybe your long-term options. 
Our next question comes from Nicholas. How do you think Seattle should use Jamal Adams? Feels like a guy like Shaquem could perform similarly, given the same responsibilities. No, 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 no. He's a different player than uh, than Shaquem. They're using Jamal just fine, I think. Like they're using him to like cover people he can actually cover. You know, tight ends, running backs. Um, they're using him to blitz. Using him to run support. I mean, what did didn't Jamal have two sacks today, or did he just have one? No, Jamal had two he sacks had, today. Yeah, he had two. Yeah, Jamal had a strip sack. Now they're looking like an edge defender. Now Jamal's Jamal's a good player. Um, like he mentioned today, he was out there playing on a bum shoulder, which I could tell he got pancaked by Gerald Everett. And that messed his shoulder up bad. But like we say on the show, if you're out there, you got to perform. Now Jamal ain't the, uh, the the use of Jamal is not is not the problem. I don't think. I really don't. I think they have some issues elsewhere. Like against the Bills, they just decided not to cover Stephen Diggs. Problem. Right. Um, I'm trying to think of the other times. Oh, against uh, against the Patriots, Andre Diggs gets ejected. It's like, oh, let's just not cover the middle of the field. Problem. But, like, I don't think Jamal's usage. I mean, he's what does he have? Like five sacks this season or something? Five and a half. Yeah. It's five and a half in five games. <laughs> Insane. <laughs> yeah, man. Just when Jamal's being used, just fine. It's he ain't problem. Victor, he's asking, is the unavailability of Chris Carson and a threatening running game forcing play action and making it more predictable for defenses who expect the pass on most downs? Uh, no. Okay, I get where you're going with that question, but here's the thing. It, it's all about... when you, The reason I let Russ Cook, I always thought, was the way to go is because it's not about how often you run the ball. It's just how good... Are you at the thing when you do it? And the problem with having not having Chris Carson is that when they hand it to whoever they're handing it to that's not Chris, good things are not happening. That's it. Whether it's DJ or Travis or Alex Collins. Here, I'll put it this way. Remember how I just said your teammate screwed? If if um if DJ Reed or Ryan Neal is at to start, that is not true of the guys they have at running back. Your running game is screwed if you if you're asked to start Alex Collins. Your running game is screwed if you're asked to start DJ Dallas. Your running game is screwed if you're asked to start Travis Homer. He's to be your guy. Like, yeah, they may get in the end zone. Like, DJ's got in the end zone. He had, like, a pretty solid day running the ball against Buffalo. But what, he run it, like, seven times? Um, like, it was, it was fine for the most part. But that was, like, his only good game running the ball. That is their problem at running back. They don't have replacement-level running backs. The only time they've had that, I thought, was Mike Davis, who was still performing well in uh, Carolina. So I, I don't think it's about predictability or being one-dimensional or something about not having Chris. It's just the fact that when you when Russ turns and hands it to somebody, they ain't capable of turning up. That's, that's just it. And until Chris and Carlos get back, and even then, I think they need Chris more than anything. Until, until Chris is back, that's going to be the case. The run game will continue and not be. The homie Ryan drops in for a question. How do you manage communicating your attempts to discover accountability from the players and or staff? Pete is forever optimistic. Russ has litany of canned responses to all questions. Do you feel like they take sincere accountability? Keep killing it. Appreciate the love, Ryan. Yeah, no, I for sure think they take sincere accountability. I mean, even today, look at Russ. Russ today was like, I got to be better. It starts with me. There's no one else but me. He's right. The turnovers are his fault, right? Like the Greg Olson one earlier in the year, not his fault. The rest, his fault. Um, I know DK took the blame on the Miami one, but no, that's that's Russ's fault too. Um, 
so no i think russ for sure does and i think pete does too for the most part like pete like you know like even after the dunbar game was bad against buffalo he was like look we gotta you know he said it was a tough game on him but we gotta do a better job of helping him out right like that's just what he said Pete does a good job in a lot of ways of that, taking accountability. He doesn't really defer it, even if I don't like the wording of stuff. Like, even if, like when people were asking, like, oh, this fire shoddy after week one, or after year one, Pete was like, don't, no, point the finger at me. I'm in charge. Even this year, people asked about Ken Norton. Pete's come out in press conference and be like, no, I'm, I control the defense too. Like, I'm in charge. If it's Ken's fault, it's my fault too. I do think it's sincere. Now, here's the thing, Chris. I do think there's a disconnect between the players. No, excuse me, the players, coaches, and the fans. Fans want the players to come out here and effectively say, we stink, we're screwed, woe is us. And they just won't do that, right? They have to be optimistic. Jamal Adams has to come out and say, guys, we're going to turn this around. He can't come out here and say, I don't know what we're going to do, we stink, right? Like, that's just, that doesn't work. That's just not a championship mindset. Say that in Jacksonville or the Jets or whatever. Say that in Cleveland. In Seattle, you just can't have that mindset. And if you should, if you do, you definitely can't say it out loud, right? That's just not how that's going to work. So um, for me, I don't necessarily have to dig and see like where the accountability comes from. I have, but not necessarily with those like the big figureheads. Like I've dug on some stuff on like oh communication issues and and things like that. But when people like Russ or even Jamal has been really sincere or Bobby. Um, Guys are pretty frank when they're underperforming. Like, I bet you DK, when we talked to him on, like, Wednesday or Thursday this week, or it won't be Thursday, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever we talked to DK, shoot, maybe it's Monday. Whenever we talked to him, I bet you he, he blames himself for not showing up against Patrick and, and Jalen. Like, that's just, this is what he's going to do. And so I, I do think fans need to recognize the disconnect. Like, guys, teams aren't just going to come here and say, yeah, I don't know what we're going to do, guys. We stink. This guy's trash. They, they can't talk like that. At least not in front of us. You know, like they have to say, hey, we're going to be better. I think we're going to turn this thing around. Pete has to be an optimist. Like imagine if Pete was a pessimist, right? That wouldn't make any sense for people. Like, I don't know, guys, shoot, I'm in charge, but I don't know. This this, this coaching thing's hard. No, man, then he'd, he'd be Bill O'Brien, right? He'd, he'd, he'd get thrown out the door. He'd be Adam Gase. Like, he'd be all these bad coaches who are going to get fired. He's an optimist. He believes in his guys and believes in himself. That's how he got here in life. So they're never going to be as doom and gloom or you know, woe is me as much as like the fans are, you know, when they're drinking, tweeting me that, you know, this team stinks and the Pete extension was a mistake. Last one comes from Scott. Russell Wilson has struggled these past four games with turnovers, mainly interceptions, and has been questionable, has made questionable decisions in forcing throws and coverage. Is he pressing too much with these turnovers? Has the defense pressured him more? Uh, I don't think the pressure's getting into him. Like, you look at somebody's turnovers, man, he's not even getting pressured that much. The fumbles uh, are a little different. The two fumbles against Buffalo, clearly he was getting pressured. But, I mean, they're quarterback. Hold on to the ball, dude. I mean, that's the same stuff I get on, like, a guy like Dan Jones about or whoever, Kyle Allen. Hold on to the ball. That's your job. Literally your job, hold on to the ball. Um, well, let's see here. I don't know about pressing, because here's the thing about Russ, right? Whenever Russ takes the field, he's like, we got to score touchdowns. It's not like they go out there like, ah, if we don't score, and at the end of the world, he's like, no, it's first and 10, let's get a first down. So blah, blah, let's score. Like, that's just kind of how Russ thinks. I don't I don't necessarily think it's in Russ's, like, mind to necessarily think the defense is trash. Um, I don't, you know, I have to do everything. Because even, like, earlier in the season, 
the defense wasn't performing well, but he he's seen them deliver even if they're not, like the Minnesota game, uh, the Dallas game, the um, the Cowboys game. Like he's seen them deliver, even the, the Dolphins game. He's seen them deliver enough to know that, like, hey, even if they're just going to give a bunch of yards, they just got to make a couple plays here and there, and then we'll be fine. Like he's not – I don't think he's in that mindset. I legitimately just think he's just making mistakes. Sometimes people do that. I understand why people are asking us this stuff. Because if it's like there must be something else wrong for us to be playing this way, and maybe there is, but I don't, I don't have the answer to that off top. Uh, maybe I can try and text Russ. I don't have his number, but I can try and get it. Uh, but no, I just think uh, he's playing like crap, and he needs to quit if these guys want to win a championship. Well, we want to thank everyone out there for rocking with us and answering Twitter questions. We appreciate all the love and support. Mike, is there anything else you want to add before we shake? Uh, no, I just appreciate you guys. Showing love. Can't wait to get back home. Um, keep sending us love with the Twitter questions. Uh, if nothing else, we'll, we'll hear from you guys on Thursday night, you know, after the, another big must-win game against the Cardinals. There you have it. It's been another episode of Seahawks Man to Man. Make sure to rate review the podcast on Apple Podcasts. And we are basically everywhere you can find podcasts. We'll catch you guys later. We are out. You see, I don't have to drive me if you say that for your mama. Maybe you should smoke some and try the marijuana. I was never you good. The vibe was straight, shows you a couple of things and they finish changed. I treated you right. Everything was a gift from a time to your bag and a color on your lip. Yeah, you're your Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.